And uh, in this series, we are talking about five different struggles that we all deal with in our lives. And uh, we're talking about comparison today. We'll get into that in just a minute. Next week, just want to give you kind of a sneak peek of what are the weeks to come. Next week, we'll be talking about forgiveness. So if you have uh, any unforgiveness in your life or you have a hard time forgiving people or maybe offenses to people, that's going to be a great series to get started in. And then uh, we'll be talking about gossip. That's one. Uh, we'll be talking about rest. How many, how many have a hard time resting? Like you're always doing something. Okay, a lot of people. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about rest. And then the fifth week will be a little bonus week. So I'm not going to we'll give that one away. That'll be a little bonus item. But we got a lot of great things in this series planned for you. And uh, I hope you're excited for it. And today we kick off the very beginning with uh, comparison. And so if you got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 21, or you should have some notes. If you got some notes, wave them at me just so I can see it. Oh, come on. All right. So uh, get my preach on and just start waving it at me. Okay. That's how we do it. And so we want you to, uh, to interact with us in the message. That's why we give you notes and also for you to be able to take that home and, and uh, recall some of the things that God does in this message in your heart. And so John chapter one, uh, 21 is where we are today. Let me just catch you up real quick on, on what's gone on and transpired. Uh, Jesus uh, had the whole Peter issue where Peter denied Jesus three times. John 21 is the kind of the closing chapter of the book of John. Jesus is going after Peter to restore him. Peter went off fishing. Of course, he's not catching anything. Jesus tells him to cast it on the other side. They catch all these fish. They realize it's Jesus. And then uh, Jesus invites him to breakfast, invites him to Shoney's. And so they have, probably not Shoney's. Uh, let's try to, no, I'm joking. Um, we'll go, they go to breakfast and Jesus has this conversation with Peter kind of one-on-one and he asks them three questions and they're the same question over three times. And does anybody know what the question is? Do you love me? He asks him, do you love me? And he says, yes, you know, I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. And so where we are, what we're about to read is the conversation that Peter has right after that conversation. So they're still, still sitting around the, the breakfast table, still having this conversation. And so this continues and read with me in verse 18. And so this is what it says in John 21, 18. It says, I tell you the truth. So this is Jesus speaking to Peter. He says, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. Come on, that's, that's singles right now. If you're single in here, I hate you. No, I'm joking. All right. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love you. But you can just do whatever you want. I want to go to the movies. Go, okay? Get kids. That ain't happening anymore, okay? So, but anyways, this is what he says. He says, you go wherever you want to go. Dress however you want to dress. But when you're old... You old. <laughs> this is what's going to happen. You're going to stretch out. You will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and they'll take you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said to, said to the, this to, the, to let them know by what kind of death he would glorify God in. Then Jesus told him, follow me. And so Peter turned around and now watch this. Here's where we see it happen. Peter turns around and he sees the other disciple behind Jesus whom Jesus loved the one who leaned over to Jesus during supper and he asked, what did he ask? Lord, who will betray you? And Peter asked Jesus, what about him? What about him? And now watch what Jesus says. Jesus replies, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? And as for you, follow me. 
So the rumor, here we go. Here's, maybe we'll talk about that in gossip the other day. Here's the rumor. So the rumor is that spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. He was going to have like the fountain of life. He would never die. Everybody's like, John's never going to die. Now watch this. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He actually said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? So we have this situation goes on. Jesus tells Peter, hey, Peter, by the way, I just want to let you know you're going to die. This is how you're going to die. We actually come and find out that uh, Peter was crucified and actually crucified upside down. That's how he was killed. Um, But Jesus is letting them in on, hey, I just want to let you know how you're going to die, which, by the way, uh, I don't want Jesus to tell me that. <laughs> Anybody else in here? Uh, but he says, this is how you're going to die. And so, of course, Peter, you know, is taking all that in. And then Peter goes, wait, hold on. What about this dude? Is he going to die? And, of course, you know what he's thinking. He's wanting to know, is he going to die like I'm going to die? Like, is he just going out in old age or is he, is he going to get crucified too? Or what's going on? Could he like get like beheaded or something? I mean, can we do something a little different than mine? And so Jesus, of course, in his response, looks at Peter and says, what is that to you? I told you, follow me. You follow me. And so that is the beginning of what we see. We see this all throughout scripture, but that's just one of the stories that you see of this idea of comparison. We compare our lives our sufferings, what we're going through. And we ask this question, what about him? What about her? And so that's what we're going to deal with today. How many of you in here, uh, let's do a little quick survey. How many of you have a Facebook account? Raise your hand. If you got Facebook or Instagram or any, any kind of social media people. Okay. Everybody, a lot of people in here. I've been on it for a little while. I love Facebook. I absolutely love social media. I love staying connected to people. For me, it's a great way to keep track of you guys and uh, to find out when I need to rebuke you. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. No, not really. Yes, really. And so anyways, but we get to watch and and I I love it because uh, I get to share a little bit of my life with people that people normally don't see. And what our crazy household looks like. And people get a, get a look into that. And then I get to look into your homes and your lives. And, and you get to see what's going on. And, and I love constantly communicating with people. I can communicate with, I was communicating with Pastor Willem, who's thousands and thousands of miles away in South Africa via Facebook this week. And I mean, we're instant messaging each other back and forth. And I just love the connection of what it does and what it brings. And I'm not really a selfie kind of guy. I don't really do the selfie thing. Uh, I'll do it every once in a while. It's usually, I don't do it by myself, um, but I do it with my family usually. Uh, now, my other boys, Josiah, I, I mean, Judah and Joel, they're selfie kings. Like, I can't even give them my phone. They're like, Dad, can I listen to music? And so, like, I give them my phone. They go listen to music in their rooms. And then, and then when I get my phone back, I have about 300 photos of themselves. Like doing all their different little poses and they're like, you know, all this stuff. And they got it like timed and everything and they, they know. And, and of course, when I get my phone back from Judah, he's changed my screensaver to himself. <laughs> like, he's like, dad, here's for your, for your favorite son. I'm like, stop that and quit that. And so, so they like to do, they like to do selfies all the time. I'm not a big selfie kind of guy, um, but I love Facebook. I, I love Instagram. I love staying connected with all those things. And, um, how many of you follow me by the way? Okay. If you don't, you know, you have to leave. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I thought what would be a cool thing to do is 
How about we just take a selfie right now? Y'all, y'all cool with that? We're gonna, we're gonna, y'all, are y'all fine with that? Y'all cool with that? Can, y'all, can everybody look in? Is everybody in? Hey, can y'all squeeze in about 40 feet? Is that fine? All right, y'all ready? Here we go. Everybody say cheese. One, two, three. You, you're not smiling in the back over there. I need you. I'm joking. We're going to, uh, Facebook is such an awesome thing, but I'll tell you what, there's one really, really bad thing with Facebook though. If there's anything that has been the biggest driving cause of discontentment in our life, it's social media, isn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, somebody, maybe you don't even know, maybe somebody you just follow and they post their picture of their brand new 2016 car. Immediately, what do you do? Man, my car sucks. This is terrible. Right? Right? Isn't that how that works? Or you, you are, uh, you know, you're looking at, you know, Instagram and you're seeing somebody, you know, baking cakes. This mom is like baking all these cakes and, or brownies. And they're like, they're all got like glitter and like all these like some nice little swirl. And like, you're like, just, you like got like a pan of mush, you know, you like eat it, you know? And then you get on, you get on Facebook and like the mom has like their son's like lunchbox and it's like all like tailored. And it's got like, it's super sections and he's got like eggs cause she's like a healthy mom. And then he's got like, you know, all the really like fruits and vegetables. And like your son has a hot pocket. That's my boys, by the way. <laughs> and it, I, I think it drives a lot of discontentment in our hearts because we compare we're always comparing. We're always comparing our lives to other people's lives. And, you know, you're seeing that family that's on their second beach vacation of the year. And, you know, like you and your family can't even get to Lake Arthur, you know. <laughs> like, I, I hate you. <laughs> does, does social media ever, I mean, let's be honest. Okay. I need, I need full transparency and honesty in this. Does social media ever make you say, I wish I had that? Come on. Anybody honest in here? Okay. All right. Let's be honest. Has this ever been an issue for you? Let me, let me, let me tell you. You never win in comparison. You never win. Look in your notes right now. I'm going to fill in a blank for you because uh, comparison always equals comparison. S-I-N. Comparison is actually scripturally, and we'll get into this just in a minute, Sin. It's comparison. You, you say the word when you say it. It is actually sin when we compare ourselves to each other. And so this is what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to talk about three things. I'm going to talk about the cause of comparison. I'm going to talk about the curse of comparison. And then I'm going to talk about the cure for comparison. I'm not going to leave you there. I'm not going to leave you, leave you in a bad place. We'll, we'll come out of this and talk about how Jesus can help us in this area. So let's talk about the cause. First one, I only got one thing. And there's really one big driving factor that causes comparison in our life. Write this down. Comparison comes from covetousness. Say that one five times fast. Covetousness. Comes from covetousness. Covetousness is, is defined as I want what they have. That's what it is. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. And it says, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's stuff. Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. Thou shalt not. It goes in and it says in Exodus 20, the things that we are not to covet. It's actually a command of, of God. And comparison is birthed out of covetousness. It's this idea that we, we need something. We've got to have something. Let me read a scripture to you. Watch Colossians three, verse five. We'll read a lot of different scriptures. 
to let God's word really show us what, what he wants about this. And it says in Colossians 3, 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Notice where it is. It's in you. These are things that are inside of us. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and... That's, that's your cue, by the way. And... You just can't say the word. That's why you don't want to say it. I know it. Hey, where's my water gun, by the way? No, I'm joking. <laughs> we'll wake you up. Okay. Now watch this. And covetousness, which is what? Idolatry. Idolatry. Let me show you how this works. Let's talk about, let's go back to social media. So a mom bakes this really, you know, awesome brownie or cake or whatever, and she puts it in her kitchen, you know, on her little island or something, and she takes this big old picture, and it's got, you know, the kids in it, and it's got the the cake in it, and she's like, you know, made a cake, awesome day. Okay, so hold on. So women in here, you can, men don't do this, but women in here, we do it in a different way. You're looking at the cake, but you know what you're also looking at? The kitchen. You're like, ooh, I would love to have that refrigerator. And ooh, look at that island. And ooh, I love the paint color on there. And I love the... Right? Don't leave me up here by myself, okay? It's true, isn't it? You look at the things that are in that, in that picture. Lindsay and I were laughing about this probably a couple months ago because somebody just snapped a picture. I think it was a selfie. Somebody had snapped a picture. And like in the background was a picture of like a rug or something. People were like, where did you get the rug? Like what? Like people just, but it's covetousness. It's, I want what you have. I don't like what I have. I want your life, not my life. I want your wife, not my wife. I want y'all with me here. I want, now I don't want your wife, by the way. I like my wife, but that's what covetousness is. Covetousness is I want what you have because I don't like what I have. There's nothing wrong with admiring something by any means. I like that. That's nice. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that that, that in itself is a sin. But it's when we get to a place where we demise what we have to elevate what somebody else has. I want that truck because my truck sucks. I want that because... And so covetousness is this. Covetousness is ingratitude at its highest level. It is a fist in the face of God saying... I don't like what you gave me. I wish I had what they had. And that is comparison is birthed out of this place of covetousness. So let's talk about the curse. Four things. Let's go through these quickly. Number one, comparison produces inferiority or superiority. Inferiority or superiority. Second Corinthians chapter 10 says, we don't dare to classify or compare ourselves with who commend themselves when they measure themselves by, what's that word? They measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. Now watch what it says. When we do that, when we compare ourselves with somebody else, it says they are not what? Wise. Let me put it another way. I I said inferiority and superiority so you could hopefully remember those two words. But let me put it another way. Comparison creates us in one of two camps. Either, Either insecurity... Or pride. We're one of two. Insecurity or pride. Have you ever played the, and you play this when you compare, the better than or worse than game. You play that game? 
You look at something, whether that's on social media or a neighbor has it or a family has it, and you look at it and you're immediately comparing better than or worse than their marriage, better than or worse than yours, their kids, better than or worse than yours, their stuff, better than or worse than yours. Let's put it this way. Their spirituality, their faith, better than or worse than yours. And we're, we're constantly competing and comparing where we are in the scale based off of how we look at people. And if you are better than, then you move to the side of pride. And if you feel worse than, then you move to the side of insecure. Y'all see how this plays out? And we, it creates this inferiority or this in superiority within of us. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, listen, we always think that we need to be happier, healthier, Y'all, prettier. The worst thing that you can give a woman who struggles with comparison, a phone with a camera. It's the worst thing that you can give. You don't see women posting early in the morning with zit cream all over their zits and going, living the life. Like, you don't see that. What do you see? All dolled up, making sure they get the right side, the right angle. They'll take 20 of those, delete 19 of them and post one. Don't be, it's true. And you'll look at your friends. Do you like that one? I don't really know. I don't like my hair. It happens. It happens because what we do is we are comparing ourselves. Listen, women, you, you drink this. This is the air that you breathe in the culture that we're a part of that you're not pretty enough. There's a reason why the cosmetic and plastic surgery industry is a billion dollar industry because you breathe the air that you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not skinny enough. You don't look good enough. We see it everywhere played out. You can't even walk down a aisle in Walmart and look on the sides of the magazine and it's no, there's no zit cream. Are y'all with me here? It's the air that we breathe and it creates in us and men have it too. Men, men deal with that as well. We feel inferior or superior, or superior to other men based off of our status or how much money we have or what kind of truck we drive, or which I don't drive a truck, which I feel inferior, but that's all right. I went to Riverfest and walking around 250 nice cars. I was like, this sucks. My car sucks. It's like, and I got to preach this tomorrow. And so... Study has shown, listen to this, a recent study has shown that women spend more time checking each other out than they do the opposite sex. And a recent study even pro proved that when women get ready, when they get dressed and they get dolled up to go out or whatever they're going to do, they're actually getting dolled up not for their husband, but for other women. <laughs> because they're comparing themselves to the other women that are there. I know this, this is, you don't want to say that this is true, but it is true. And it happens all over our country. And every time you and I compare, we have to choose which one we're going to be in. Inferior or superior, pride or insecurity. And God will help you be all that you can be. He just won't help you be all that you want to be. Meaning if that's somebody else, he won't let you be somebody else. He'll bless you for who you are, but not Bless you for trying to be somebody else. Let me share the second one with you. Comparison produces anger and resentment. Let me show you a story of this playing out in scripture. First Samuel chapter 18. 
This is the story of David and Goliath. David slays Goliath. Saul didn't want to go out against Goliath. He was hiding in the tent. David stepped up and said, I'll take this guy out. He does what he says, takes the guy out, chops Goliath's head off and bringing the head back. I mean, talk about a victory. And all of the army, all the Israelites are now coming back into town from war. They're all coming back into town. Watch what happens. It says, this was their song coming back to this big old victory. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And this made Saul what? Say it. Very angry. Now watch this. What is this? Saul says. They credit David with ten thousand and me with only a thousand. Next, they'll be making him their king. And so from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. A jealous eye on David. Now notice, they're not singing. When they're coming in, they're not singing, David's slaying his 10,000 and get Saul out. David's slaying his 10,000 and get Saul out. I'm not a cheerleader, by the way. I just want to let you know. I'm terrible. That's not the song, though. You with me? They're not going, get, get Saul out of here. We hate you, Saul. David, you're the man. They're not saying that. They're saying Saul, Saul slain thousands of people. David slain 10,000 people. But yet inside of Saul's heart was this comparison. He could not, he couldn't receive the credit because he was so worried and so critical of somebody else receiving credit too. Y'all with me here? And this comparison created in him a jealous heart. If you track Saul's story from that moment on, you know what ends up happening to Saul? He dies. And everything that he said would happen actually ended up happening. David did become the next king. I think it wouldn't have been that way if Saul would have said, yeah, man, we got a champ on our team. Look at David. He's bad to the bone. But he didn't do that. Instead, he said, why isn't all the credit coming to me? And he didn't want to give David any. I think if he would have accepted David on the team, they would have had a phenomenal, phenomenal kingdom. But instead, he wanted competition and comparison, and it ended up getting him out. Which happens in our lives all the time. Because comparison breeds anger and resentment in our hearts. Let me show you. God, why did he get to keep his job and I lost mine? God, why does she keep having babies all the time and I can't have a baby. God, why does fill in the blank? Why do they fill in the blank and I don't fill in the blank? And you and I have said that. And it creates anger in our hearts towards them. But the truth is it creates anger and resentment in our hearts towards God. Because we're... Because what we're saying is, God, I must not be holy enough. I must not pray enough. I must not read the Bible enough. I must not give enough. I must not go to church enough. Undoubtedly, you love him more than you love me. And it creates this comparison, creates this anger and this resentment in our hearts towards those people. Because every time we see them post that picture of that baby, you get so mad inside. You're not mad at them. You're mad at God because God hasn't given you what you want because they have something that you want. And it creates this anger and this resentment in our hearts. 
You know, we, we're dealing with all the oil field stuff right now. And countless guys in our church have lost their jobs in the oil field. And then we have a lot of guys in here that still have their jobs in the oil field. What's up with that? And you can so easily get upset that other guys get it and, and I don't. But when something good happens to someone else, we get really mad. You know, someone's, listen, my aunt died, left me $2 million. What? Why can't my aunt die? That's what you think. And then you're like, wait, my aunt's broke. My aunt don't got nothing. <laughs> Why? You can't celebrate with people. Or somebody you've been following for so long, it just seems like their life's always perfect. Everything seems to go. They got the great man. They got a great job. They get all the cars and stuff that they want. Everything seems to be going. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see a post. They got in a car wreck. And you're like, yes. <laughs> Life is not perfect for them. Did they hurt their face? Did they hurt anything? Yeah, you laugh, but deep down, right? Deep down. Don't leave me up here. Deep down, you know, in your heart, you're thinking, finally, they're not perfect. Not everything goes their way. And there's a deep sense of like, ha ha ha. Because your life has been hell. And now they get a little a little taste of it. And so next time they're like, oh, man, I got in a wreck. You're like, I'm always in wrecks. <laughs> Big whoop. It's comparison. And it breeds anger and resentment in our hearts. Let me ask you this. By show of hands, how many of you want the blessings of God in your life? By show of hands, how many want the blessings of God? Okay. All right. Listen to me very closely when I say this. And I'm going to read it so that way I don't say it wrong. But I want you to listen to me when I say this. Do you realize that you not wanting God to bless someone else could be what is stopping God from blessing you? Do you realize that you not wanting God to bless somebody else could actually be the thing that is putting up the wall from God actually blessing you? You and I should be the first to be excited when someone gets great news. Hey, man, I got a raise. Awesome, man. I'm excited for you. Hey, we had a baby. Great. It's okay to be disappointed. But it's a whole other thing to grow anger and resentment and bitter towards people. Y'all with me here? Listen when I say this. Celebrating others kills comparison. You want to kill comparison in your life? Celebrate with those people. Celebrate with them. Call them up, text them, message them. Man, I'm so excited for you. I'm so pumped. You don't have to be fake. But celebrating others kills that in our lives. Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in your own. That's what envy is. Envy is when I resent God's goodness in your life, but I ignore the fact that he's been good in my life. Number three, comparison opens the door to Satan. Whew, this one's a strong one. <laughs> Comparison opens the door to Satan. James three fourteen. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your what? In your what? Okay, I just want you to know where this resides. In our hearts. Bitter jealousy. Selfish ambition. It says this. 
in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are, now watch this. This is what jealousy and selfish ambition are. Look at them. They're earthly. They're unspiritual. And, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. There's a difference between jealousy and envy. Let me give you what the difference between jealousy and envy is. Jealousy is when you want... Jealousy is, is, has to do with people. Envy has to do with things. So when I'm jealous of you, I'm jealous of you, the person. When I'm envious of you, I'm envious of something that you have. I want something that you have. That's the difference. And the scripture says that where there's jealousy and selfish ambition... That it is the root of evil. That it is actually demonic in our lives. Because jealousy and evil are the root of comparison. It's at the root of it all. It's the comparison in our hearts. And I'm telling you right now, I don't want to open the door to the, to the enemy. I've opened it many times though. I've opened that door many, many times. And I'm telling you, when you do that, because that's, that's Saul. Y'all realize that? That's Saul. When he opened the door of comparison. How dare he get all the credit? Right then and there, the enemy went into his life and destroyed his life from that moment on. So I'm warning you here. Be careful with this. Because when you do that, but let me tell you what gratitude and praise does. It shuts the door. It shuts the door. All right, here's the last one. Number four, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. Proverbs 14.30, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. But envy, now look at this, envy makes the bones rot. Envy makes the bones rot. But a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. So listen to me, there was a study that was done uh, recently where they had uh, two universities. They went into two universities and they got all these students signed up for these surveys. And they, they asked the students on these surveys, they said, this is what I want you to do for seven days. I want you to log into Facebook and I want you to spend 30 minutes, a full 30 minutes on Facebook or Instagram, any social media. I just want you to spend 30 minutes on it. And this is what I want you to do right after you're done. I want you to write down how you feel. Okay, so they did this at two different universities, did this whole study, had thousands of students do this survey where they went in and spent just 30 minutes on social media and then wrote down how they felt. And they did that for seven days. Okay, listen to me on this. Listen to, the, to the, what came back from those results. One third of them, one out of every three, felt, this is what they felt, depressed. Depressed. And you know what the number one emotion was that they wrote down? This is the number one out of thousands and thousands of people that did this survey. The number one emotion that they felt coming out of 30 minutes on Facebook or Instagram was envy. Envy. You know why? Because comparison will always steal your joy. Because just when you think you're having a great day, you go and look and someone's having a greater one. And you're like, I thought it was good, but that's better. Y'all with me here? We get envy inside of us. And it can go the opposite way as well. I remember, and I'll be very transparent here. I remember when Lindsay and I were in the hospital with Joel for 42 days. It was really hard for me to get on Facebook. And actually, 
for probably the past year, a year and a half after that, when Joel was doing really, really bad, Lindsay and I would always have these conversations. It was really hard for us to get on social media because everybody else's life seemed to be awesome. And our life was a living hell. And we would get angry. Why? Why are we going through this and they just get to go shopping and hanging out and doing whatever? And I'm sitting here on the phone with a pharmacist. This is the air that we breathe for a long time. And it was really hard. Because we realized real quick that not everybody's where we are. And there's people that are definitely worse than we are. And there's people that are greater than we are. But comparison always is the thief of joy. So instead of living in the moment and rejoicing in the Lord that this is his day, we, we have envy for whatever is going on. Are y'all with me? Okay. Let me give you the cure here because I don't want to leave us in this, <laughs> in this state because there's a cure to this. And here's the cure. Let, let, me, let me read Philippians 4. I want to wrap all this up. Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content. I've learned it. Paul's saying, meaning it didn't come naturally. I had to learn how to do this. And I'm telling you right now, you're going to have to learn how to do this. He says, I learned how to be content with whatever I had. I know how to live on almost nothing. And I know how to live on everything. He says, I've learned the secret, meaning there's a secret to this. I'm going to share the secret with you in just a minute. So don't worry. It's not going to be a secret anymore after I'm done. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I want you to hear me on this. This verse of Philippians 4.13 that I love. I mean, Steph Curry's got it on his shoe and everything. But I don't think God was thinking about Steph Curry when he had Paul write this. I don't think it was like, hey, you can do whatever you want because God's going to give you strength. Listen, I can go try to play that piano. And I can be like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not going to be good. I, I would love to play the drums like Samuel. And I can just get behind there and be like, hey, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's still going to sound terrible. Y'all with me here? That's not a license for us to, you can do whatever you want because I can do all things. You know what it says? It says, listen, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Meaning you can be content in whatever situation you're going through because with Christ you can go through all things. You got to take the other verses before it. I can have a lot of money and be content because I can do all things through Christ. I could have no money and broke and do all things through Christ because he strengthens me. Y'all with me here? I can go eat at the buffet or I can eat ramen noodles at home and we're going to be all right. Because with Christ, all things, I can do all things. Y'all with me here? So that verse is not to be taken out for you to just go, like, go parachuting or something. I can do all things through Christ. Okay, listen. You still need a parachute. You can't fly. Y'all with me here? It's, it's not a license for you to do whatever you want. It's actually speaking to the verses before that says, no matter what situation of life you're in, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Which comes to my first point. Write this down. Here's what I believe is the cure of comparison and finding contentment in his life. His first one is you got to remind yourself that Jesus is enough. Listen to me. Jesus is enough. I don't know if y'all remember as kids, if y'all ever had these, we have it in our house and, and we have a house of boys. So 
if you have a house of girls, maybe you, you don't do this, but our boys do this. We have a big magnifying glass. And how many know for boys, a magnifying glass is not for reading. It's for burning. It's for killing things. Okay. And so my boys will go outside and take that magnifying glass and put it on ants, you know, any kind of animal, chameleon, you know, whatever it is that they can burn, they're burning things. They're taking all the intensity of this light and putting it all on one thing. And you know how a magnifying glass is, it takes something that's supposedly small and it magnifies it and makes it a lot bigger than what it actually is. Comparison, listen to me, comparison takes something that's small and magnifies it way bigger than it is. So it takes what they have and it, listen, this is how it works. It magnifies what they have while at the same time minimizing what you have. And so when I say, listen, you've got to remind yourself that Jesus is enough. You know how you get, you don't compare and you have content. You magnify all that Jesus has done in your life and you minimize all that you don't have. You magnify that Jesus, you're all that I need. God, I don't need whatever it is that you fill in the blank that you feel like when I get this, then I'll be happy. When I get this, then I'll be content. When I get this, listen to me, even if you got that, you wouldn't be. I promise you that. Because it would just be the next thing and the next thing. It's like my kids at Toys R Us. We come out of Toys R Us with them buying a toy. They got a toy. They come out of Toys R Us. We, we don't even barely get to the van and they're already talking about what they want next. Any, anybody got kids like that? I'm like, we just bought this thing. Because they're all, because listen, it's like drinking sand. It's never, you're never satisfied. You always need more. And if Jesus is not enough for you, you'll never be content. You've got to wake up in the morning and go, my body hurts. I don't feel like going to work. But Jesus, you're enough. Jesus, you're all I need. Jesus, you can give me the strength that I need. Jesus has got to be enough. There's no boyfriend that's going to fix your problem. There's no money that's going to fix your problem. There's no vehicle that's going to fix your problem. No bigger house that's going to fix your problem. Jesus has got to be the answer, and he is the only solution to give us hope and the peace that we so long for. So, yeah, I mean, we got to go all in or not. I don't know. Y'all just left two guys hanging. Yeah. Don't, don't leave them hanging like that. I mean, do I clap? Do I not clap? I don't know. Okay, so here's number two. We'll wrap all this up. We can get the worship team or any of the guys want to come up. Here's number two. Develop an attitude of gratitude. Develop an attitude of gratitude. You, you want to know how you know if you're content? Let me give you one test. You can write this down. One test to let you know if you're content or not. Check <laughs> your complaints. Check your complaints. I want to move. I need a man. I need to make more money. We need a bigger this. I got to have this. You watch what you complain about and you'll find out real quick if you're content or discontent. Everybody listen to me. We live in one of two tents. Contentment or discontentment. You're in one of the two. We're always in one of the two. We're in those tents. And gratitude is something that we've got to develop in our hearts. 
Listen, gratitude is grace attitude. It's a graced attitude. Listen to me. If <laughs> you would never have a problem with gratitude if you understood that nothing you have, you deserve. Y'all with me here? You would never have a problem with gratitude if you understood that everything that you have, you don't deserve it. See, the problem that gets us this entitlement, discontented comparison game is because we feel like we're owed something. Like God owes you something. Or people owe you something. Or I worked all this and I deserve that. What would it be like if you went through life and you realized that everything you had, you didn't deserve, and yet you got it. When you got it, you know what you would be? Thankful. Because you didn't own it. You didn't deserve it. But you got it anyways. We get the blessings of God. Everything that's good in my life and everything that's good in your life, listen to me, is because of the grace of God. Do you all hear me? The fact that you're not in prison. The fact that you have a family. The fact that you maybe have a job or don't have a job. Whatever it is, it's all the grace of God. Let me, let me, let me show you. If you got food, clothes, and a roof over your head, listen to me. You are richer than 75% of the world. That's everybody in here. If you have savings, doesn't even have to be a lot. But if you got a savings in a bank, you are in the top 8% of the world's wealthiest people. If you woke up this morning with your health, which you did because you're here, you are more blessed than over a million people who will not survive this week. Listen to me, people. We have a lot to be thankful for. We've got to develop an attitude of gratitude. And listen, when Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content, he wasn't on a beach in Cozumel with a drink and a little umbrella going, I've learned how to be content. He ain't on no cruise. You know where he's at? He's in prison and not like our fancy prison where they get like cable and like get a personal trainer and they get awesome stuff. (laughs) We're talking about like prison, like in the depth of a dungeon, freezing cold, has been beaten, has chained to a guard 24 seven and is awaiting his execution. Hashtag bad day. And this is what he says. In the midst of a dungeon, I have learned the secret of being content. Now take Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now he can. Listen, contentment is enjoying that God is good even when everything going around you is not. Y'all with me? Your happiness, your joy, your peace is under your jurisdiction. You give it away. Nobody can take it from you. You know why? Because it comes from the inside out, not from the outside in. You don't find contentment from having stuff from the outside in. You find contentment when Jesus is enough. You develop an attitude of gratitude and you go, God, thank you. Today is a new day. It's your day. I start it with you. I'm going to end it with you. And I need you. That is how we create contentment in our lives. And listen, Paul said, I've learned how to be content. 
You've got to develop this. So here's the challenge. I'm issuing a OSC challenge for this week. I'll ask you next Sunday when I preach. I want you for the next seven days, and I want you to do this with your kids, if you have kids at home. Every day, I want you and your family to list or to say 10 things that you're thankful for. Joel came into my office yesterday. I'm studying for this message and Joel came in. He goes, dad, I'm bored. I said, come here, son. Come sit with me for a minute. I said, don't you ever say that again. What? I said, I see a trampoline. I see that. I see a fun jump. I see a Wii. I see Legos that I step on all the time up in your room. I see, I said, bud, it's not that you're bored. You're just ungrateful because you have a lot to do around here that daddy and mommy have provided for you. And when you tell me you're bored, you're telling me that you don't thank me for what we've done for you. Okay, daddy. <laughs> so I'm sure probably today he'll come up to me and go, dad, I'm bored. It'll probably, it'll probably happen again. But I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, we're even trying to train our boys to learn to be grateful thankful for what you have. So how are you going to take the challenge? 10 things, seven days. That's 70 things. You can't repeat either. Okay. No repeat. 70 different things. Okay. Maybe your kids will give them some grace. Not you. 70 things. All right. Hey, bow your heads. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. God, I thank you for every person in this place. You know, in a message like this, the Holy Spirit points out things to us, not not to condemn us and not to make us feel bad. Honestly, the Holy Spirit right now has been pointing things out because these are obstacles in our life that if they're not overcome, they could trip us up. But if we'll we'll be honest, because that's all God's asking for, if we'll just be honest and say, you know what, this has been an issue or this is an issue. I think, I think God can really minister to you in this place and really begin to break this struggle in your life. Maybe for some of you, it's you need to get off of social media for a little while. Maybe it's you need to unfriend a couple people that stirs up stuff inside of you. Maybe you need to stop watching HGTV for a little bit. I don't know what it is, but I think the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now. I know he is. If you'd say... Pastor Josh, listen, I, man, this, this message is hitting home for me. I, there's, there's some areas where I've, I've really struggled with contentment. I've struggled with comparison. I've struggled with being competitive, maybe even to a place of being critical. And I need some help. If that's you in this place, can you just raise your hand just so I can see you? Man, hands going up all over the place. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, we pray right now, Lord, over your people. God, I thank you, Lord, for them. God, I pray right now, Lord, that they would learn the secret of contentment. But God, the only way we learn that secret is, God, that we we spend time with you. That's how Paul was able to say it, because he knew you. And he knew who he was. So God, I pray, Lord, that there would be identity, a new identity in your people. God, a new appreciation for, for the things that they've been given. God, that they would no longer look at the things that they don't have, but God, that they would begin to have a heart of gratitude for the things that they do have. 
for the people that they do have. God, we repent today. Right there where you are, just in your own heart, and say it under your own breath, will you just share with the Lord just maybe what you're repenting of? You just tell him. He knows. The Bible says that as we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so God, right now, just every person in this room, God, we just confess it. God, this is an area. This is where I struggle. This is where I failed. God, I pray, Lord, right now, grace, 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 grace. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're our strength. Thank you that you're our joy. Thank you that you're our peace and you're our hope. God, we give this struggle to you. God, we ask that you would help us. Hey, with all heads bowed, I don't want anybody looking around, but no, the truth is, is that some of us are comparing ourselves because there's a void inside of us that's not filled. You've been looking for love. You've been looking for fulfillment. You've been looking for life and you, you have had no joy in your life. It's been misery. And if you'd be honest, some of that has been, has been brought on by other people. But some of that's just been your own decisions. You live in life your own way. God invites you today. It's not a mistake that you're here today. God has invited you. Maybe it was through somebody else, but God has you here. And he has you here for this moment right here. Because he's drawing you. And he's calling you to come and surrender. To give your heart to him. And if you're in this place and you've never given your heart to the Lord, maybe you've gone to church. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not even talking about even being baptized. I'm talking about you've never truly surrendered your heart to the Lord. Today, you can walk out of here with all the shame, all the guilt gone. Jesus wants to pay for that. He's already paid for that. And you say, Pastor Josh, listen, would you just pray for me? I I want that. If that's you, could you just, nobody's looking around, but could you just raise your hand just so I can see you? Say, man, I want that. I see you. I see your hand, yours see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, hands going up all over the place. Thank you so much. Come on, can we just all say this together? Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Today, I recognize that I am a sinner in need of grace. Thank you for paying my debt. I acknowledge today that I need you. Come give me a fresh start. Fill me with your joy, your peace, your hope. From this day forward, I'll follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.